Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse, a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that can make us all be encouraged, want to hear what makes these women passionate and get up in the morning or what they wish that they'd known earlier in life, grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. Today, I am right outside of Birmingham, and I am with Jennifer Best, and have known Jennifer forever, it seems like, so I've watched her grow up from a teenager to now a young adult, and so I am thrilled to introduce you to the Stacked Keys podcast audience. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Welcome. And what I'd like to do is, how do people know Jennifer today? What would people describe Jennifer as? Um, probably a jack of all trades. <laughs> um, I'm a mom of two. Um, I have a four-year-old, soon-to-be five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And it was so sad that she's growing yeah. up so fast. Um, I'm a NICU nurse. I am a wife. Um, uh, my husband and I will be married for 13 years in May. And I love to bake, and I love to do projects, and um, I recently joined up and added Beauty Counter to my list of activities, and um, I am going all the time. That you are. Um, You're interesting to watch because everything you mentioned has its own compartment. I mean, they do cross over into one another. But, yeah, they're so very different. So start off with, I don't even know where to start. Start <laughs> off with with um, becoming a nurse. Was that always a lifelong dream for you? Um, I knew that I wanted to be a nurse when I was in high school. Um, I come from a uh, long lineage of nurses. Um, my grandmother was a nurse. My mom's a nurse. I actually married into a family where my mother-in-law is a nurse and my sister-in-law is a nurse. So um, it's it's almost like a, a family thing in a sense. But um, actually, mom told me when I was in high school and I said, okay, I think I want to do this. She said, are you sure? Because it is not an easy field. Nursing school um, is not an easy, uh, easy road. Um, and I did it uh, the non-traditional way. What's that? Well, I started out working on my bachelor's, um, and then some things in life happened and I kind of put that on hold. And by the time I was ready to pick that up again, I was married, um, had just bought a house, uh, was working full time and ended up doing nursing school and finishing nursing school, um, through a nights and weekends program where I worked full time. I went to school at night. I did clinicals on the weekend and I just, put my head down and 
did it and finished because it was a goal and I did want to accomplish it, but it was not the easiest thing I've ever done. And I really don't think you could pay me enough to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me what a day's like for you in nursing and we'll probably go. That'll, that's probably where it will bleed into family and, and everything because you have so much to do to even yeah. get out the door. So what's a day like for you in, in nursing? And when you say NICU, what is that? So I'm a neonatal intensive care nurse. So I take care of babies. I take care of babies that are born prematurely and that are very small. I We take care of babies that are as young as 24 weeks gestation when they're born. Um, and they have a long road ahead of them. And those are babies that are chronic babies and that we um, we take care of for many, many months. I also take care of full-term babies that just have either breathing issues or glucose issues or just something that happens that they need to come to the NICU. Um, I have been a NICU nurse for about nine years. And um, in that time, I when I first started as a brand new grad, I worked at Children's Hospital, which is the only children's hospital in our state. Uh, It gets transferred patients from our state, all over our state, from Georgia, from Mississippi, from Florida, um, just the surrounding states. And it's a level four, so we do ECMO, which is a heart and lung bypass machine. We're the only hospital in the state that does that on children. Um, We were... Um, more of a surgical NICU. Um, So you work with doctors that are general surgery. You work with neonatology. You work um, with just about every every aspect of the body. There's a specialty for that. And so we work with all of those. Um, I did that for about seven years. And then at that point, I had two kids and decided that constant um constantly being in that environment was was hard and I was a little bit burned out um and I needed a little a little more happy and I needed a change so I switched to a local birth hospital um where I get to do a lot of education with parents I get to you know hand a baby to a parent for the first time I get to see that look on the face when you know that proud brother or sister comes in to see their little you know baby brother or baby sister um you know those grandparents that are come in and they get to see their grandkid for the first time and they're just gushing and so it's a lot more happy um it's a lot more sending babies home yeah um at Children's, we would keep our patients for up to two years, um, which is just hard because you do get attached. Um, but I recently switching and stepping down in the acuity of what I do um, has been really good. Yeah. Um, well, I can see where you kind of have to take care of your own heart and mental health and family. You do. You do, and and it does become a point where you have to evaluate how much of your work are you bring you bringing home, and how much does that affect your family, and is that really what's best for your family? Um, because as a nurse, you are usually a person that has a compassionate heart, but as a mom, my priority, like yes, I I love to take care of other people's babies and other people's kids, and and help them in times of need, and be an encourager. 
um, and be an educator and all those things that comes with my job. But I'm a mom first of my own kids. And if I am in an environment where I am bringing home stress and, and that stress is coming out of me and is reflecting in the way that I interact with my children, then it's time for me to evaluate what I'm doing because my kids are my priority that's a huge balance and so many young moms struggle with that did you struggle in making that choice and decision oh yeah I had I had tons of mom guilt mom guilt is a real thing (laughs) I had mom guilt about going to work I would cry on my way to work and I hated leaving and then I had mom guilt about you know well if I didn't go in and I didn't bring that you know, extra money that I need to bring. And then I couldn't sign up my kid for ballet lessons like she wanted to do. Um, I had mom guilt about putting my, my three-year-old in mom's day out, like a, just a two days a week, because I'm like, I'm, I'm home. I should be with her. I should be taking care of her. Like, it's just, there are, are lots of situations that come up in our society that we can really own and feel guilty about. That's not necessary. So how'd you get to where you are to where I mean I'm sure you still slip into mom guilt at times but oh yeah definitely. but how did you how did you process that I think I uh Jesus <laughs> that's the that's the big answer is is that um you really just have to go where the peace is and if you have peace about the decision that you make regarding what is best for your child, then just stick with that peace. If you have peace about sending them to school or whatever, then, you know, that's okay. And when that guilt does creep in, just say, you know, no, like that's, I don't choose, I don't choose to agree with that. Like I know I'm doing what's best for my child. And just because what you do and what's best for your child doesn't mean that it's what's best for someone else's child. We're all individuals. Like, we all get to make different choices regarding how we raise our children, what we feed our children, like, what we let our children watch on TV. Like, those are all individual decisions that we get to make as parents. Yeah. So when I came along, we had mother's groups, and you kind of looked for your peer group to be those that were raising kids about the same time you were and of course we all had different ideas but we didn't seem to penalize each other for being different Mm -hmm. what about you what have you found have you found that it's tough to find a mother's group because everybody's so different in their choices or have you um, been fortunate to find some close buddies or whatever How, how do you parent with your peers I have been fortunate I I believe in like small like close tight community versus having like a large community I have five good close girlfriends that that's a lot Jennifer (laughs) well I mean but these can't all get in one car comfortably yes we I have like five and we're all like we're in different states we're in different different walks of life they're not they're not everyone's in town but I know that like I like one of my best friends she lives out of state but I talk to her like at least twice a week we FaceTime we catch up we fill each other in on what's going on with our kids we talk to each other and say you know this is what I'm struggling with like this is where I'm at 
and we encourage each other and it's it's good so five close friends across country (laughs) not all in the same in the same state but um but at the same time like we if you if I look at us collectively as a group we are all very different some of us stay at home some of us work full-time some of us only have one kid some of us have four kids like it's just some of us believe in sending our kids to private school some of us do public school some of us homeschool like it's a very diverse group um but everyone is just kind and understanding so you keep saying stay at home you're not a stay at home mom okay so yet you think of yourself as one which is funny to me I, i i totally think of myself as a stay at home mom um so if somebody asks me, like, what do you do? My first reaction is, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. But I'm not. No. <laughs> I I do have the the luxury and the blessing right now that after I had my second baby, I dropped down to flexi with my job. So I am only required to work a certain number of days a month. Um, I usually work double that. But I have the flexibility with self-scheduling that I schedule myself on days when my husband is home and he can watch our kids. And um, I also have the blessing of my mom will come and keep my kids for me to work um, every other week, one day a week when she's off, um, which is huge. And I'm very grateful for because it really enables our family to, to function the way that we do allows me to get those hours and my kids to stay home and yeah so we get to give a shout out to brandon yeah. great husband of the year <laughs> and dad of the year and then dawn great mom yes. of the year yes and, and then your mother-in-law does some helping as well yes so my my in-laws live out of state but they are always so gracious and they will um call us with their calendar they um they work in ministry so they book out pretty pretty far out like at least three months or so usually out um but when they do their schedule they call us and they say okay when can we come visit when can we and they will intentionally come during the week so that I can pick up extra shifts and work um and they can watch the kids so that they're a help to us so it sounds like you kind of have a thread going here of community so you have friend community family community Mm -hmm. we do and do you think that's pretty important to foster? Absolutely. Um, I believe that, and Brandon and I actually were just talking about this this week and how we actually, um, that seclusion is just, is the way of the um, of the enemies getting his hands around you because he secludes you and then you don't have those people in your, in your life to speak into you and to encourage you. Um, and we had, we had been like, you know, with everything going on and people do get busy and all of our friends aren't in town. And so we, you know, don't necessarily get together with friends like in person, like, you know, every other week or so for a dinner or something like that. And we can get a little isolated, but, um, we are realizing how important that is and how important it is for our kids. Um, just to have those friends and those adults and those people that speak into them. Um, because as a parent, 
it's exhausting. <laughs> and anyone who has kids knows that it's exhausting. It's exhausting on whole different levels. It's exhausting if you are in the new baby phase and you don't sleep. And it's exhausting if you're in the um, four and I am not going to do what you say phase. And I know that it progresses from there and every phase is different and every phase has its challenges. Yeah, but at the same time, every phase has its thrills and blessings absolutely Absolutely. and that was probably a piece of advice that uh, somebody gave to us early on of don't just look at the terrible twos there's some terrific moments in there oh yes and then three comes along you go what are y'all talking about two three's pretty (laughs) and then you find some great things that happen in three and and i'll just tell you it goes on up to adulthood so buckle your (laughs) seatbelt. So, well, um, I want to go back and jump on some of the other jobs that you have or hats that you wear. But before I go there, I want to also jump back into your growing up. Okay. Nope, to your growing up years. So you obviously had some role models along the way because you don't just read a book and decide this is how you're going to do it. So you either have good influences, bad influences, or some kind of influences that lead you down this path. Do you yeah. know off the top of your head what some of those are? I, I would think, like growing up, my mom was my best friend. She, she showed me unconditional love. If anything happened, she was there at the drop of a hat. Like she, I knew that regardless of whether I agree with her or not, she always had my best interest at heart. Um, my Aunt Robin is another person that I feel like that probably really influenced me growing up. Um, she was, she raised boys, which, you know, I don't have boys, but. Yeah, whole different book. A whole, whole different ball game. But, um, but she was, she was firm, but she was kind and she was loving. Um, but, and just seeing the difference in them and seeing how they parent. And I think, I think I just was very observant. I think I, I watched a lot of, of my world and the people that came in and out of my world, um, and how they did things. And there are some things that I, as a parent, I'm like, oh, well, I've, I've been through this or I've seen this and I don't want to do this. Or I know that this worked and I do want to do this. Um, I feel like as a, as a child and even as a teenager, I was more introverted I was more um, just quiet. I wasn't argumentative a whole lot. I had, I had some moments. I flexed. Yeah, I flexed. I have to make a you face on that one. <laughs> yeah, were you really not? But like earlier, child, like I always remember, like I, I never wanted to hurt anyone's feelings. Right. I never wanted to make anyone upset. Like I was a child, I didn't have to have spankings. You could just look at me and I would burst into tears. Like, you know, I I always if I could classify myself as anything as a child, I would say I was more of a people pleaser than anything. And then I feel like as I transitioned into teenager, um I flexed a little bit of independency muscle. And then as I became a young adult, I feel like I really started to find my voice. Um, I really feel like that happened after I met Brandon because I knew that he loved me unconditionally and he loved all of me. 
and he really allowed me to become who who I really was and find my voice and be argumentative sometimes and have an opinion and maybe not care so much that I may step on some toes um and I feel like I really if I look back at who I am who I was and who I am now like I feel like there are some threads that are still common but I feel like I'm also a different person too I've lived I've lived a lot of life right right well that you have okay I think it's terribly important to go ahead and keep going here okay with Brandon I mean that couldn't have been easy for him or for you and you can't really speak for him but I bet you could um (laughs) but for a young married couple how do you find that um security that you can show out or do what you need to do to work through how'd you get there how did how are you feeling safe enough to do it um I so I think in order to do that I have to tell you how we met okay go for it so um I had been well I can I can only speak for myself I had been in a place where I had been seeing someone on and off and it had just ended and I I constantly had this need of like I want somebody to need me to want me and then I finally got to a point where I was fed up and I was done and I just said Lord like it's me and you I'm good like I'm I'm good I don't I don't need to be in a relationship I don't want to be in a relationship I'm good and I met Brandon two weeks later (laughs) (laughs) and um, when he approached me I was not interested I was like oh okay because he actually had seen me and he had talked to one of my best friends and had like asked all these questions and she had given him all this information and then he like walked up to me he's like so like and he introduced himself and I honestly I didn't even remember his name like after we were done talking what he told me it was I'm real bad with names <laughs> and then um he told me all this stuff like he started talking to me like oh so I hear you're in nursing school and blah 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 and all this stuff and I was like yeah you're 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 a stalker like this is weird like we're done and this was a little bit pre-social media i mean you could get all that now yes yes this was this was pre-social this was pre-facebook yeah this was pre-social media um so ended up and then i turned around and asked my friend like hey you know that guy over there and she's like oh brandon and i'm like yeah yeah whatever like did you did you talk to him about me and she lied which was not good for brandon and she's like no no later she fussed up she did um but the next day we were at a conference and so we saw each other again the next day and we talked and got to know each other a little bit better and um we continued to talk he was the first guy that i had ever like given my that i'd like i didn't know for a a certain period of time or whatever you know that I gave my phone number to and um, he called me when um, we got home that night from being out of town at the conference and we talked on the phone for two hours and at that point after I hung up the phone I was like done like I knew and so that was in January and we didn't start dating until June um, well, that's a long time. Yes, but he was in he was in school and he was in ministry and he was doing missions and he was out of the country and he was like it just wasn't it wasn't a dating time. Um, but um, 
it was it was so good it was probably one of the best seasons in my life like I did a study of Ruth and about waiting and like the Lord just really used that time to prepare my heart so that when we could date like it was he and I were both on the same page it was really like a okay like we're content this is it like and just knowing that and knowing that he was who the Lord had for me like that's who the Lord had for me end of story like he's my person and so um down to like I even when I was in high school I made a list of my wants Mm -hmm. or my desires in a husband and I put ridiculous things on the list I was like okay Lord let's see if you can do this (laughs) and so like I wanted someone who had dark hair and blue eyes not a normal combination Brandon has dark not jet black but black hair and he has blue eyes Mm -hmm. and I wanted someone who had a shorter last name higher up in the alphabet (laughs) and you cannot get I mean like it's one letter down from the first one (laughs) and it's pretty short easy to teach the kids how to write that one yes yes the kids got their got their last name but um so like and literally I didn't know his last name and then when I asked my friend who who helped introduce us I said what's his last name and she told me and I literally laughed out loud because I was like oh really are you serious like (laughs) is that really true um so knowing that the Lord had brought us together and that he was my person there was always this this sense of this is it like there was never a worry I don't, and we've talked about this so I can't speak for him because he's told me this there was never a worry on either of our parts of this isn't going to work out or this isn't we just jumped in and we were we were all in like this is it like you're my person I'm not looking for anybody else I'm content I'm happy and it's it was a it I mean it, it took a couple years and without saying as far as bringing down those walls and letting someone really see who you are um but after almost 13 years of marriage like he's the person that knows me better than anybody like the other day we were at lunch with our children and we had a complete conversation in looks we did not say one single word (laughs) like and it's like and it's just something that comes with time but like just knowing from the beginning like I'm committed and divorce was never in our vocabulary and I'll tell you like it's it's hard and it's not easy at all we have been really blessed with a lot of years of just goodness um but our last two years have been probably the hardest of our marriage but, you know, we had the conversation the other day, like, it's hard, but divorce isn't an option. And right now, like, we, we've always enjoyed being married. We've never, you know, you hear those stories of people that have to work at being married and you have to, like, you stay married because you're committed and that sort of thing. And there are seasons of that. We've never had a we're committed season. We've had a, we've always had, we're just in love seasons. <laughs> and so, but... Yeah. But year 13 has been our, we're committed season. We are, we are working. We are down in the trenches. Like this is, this is worth it. And you're my person. Can you talk about why it's been hard? Um, I think, um, baby number two, um, I love her. Um, but the transition from one to two kids was extremely difficult for us. 
um, in the fact that our first baby slept through the night at 10 weeks and she was a great eater and she was an only child and she was just easy. Our second baby um, had colic and had torticollis and didn't sleep and our girl shared a room and so we would pick her up all the time because we didn't want her to wake up anybody else. Like she didn't sleep through the night till she was 13 months old and 13 months of not sleeping will do damage to anyone because that is one thing your body needs sleep um so I think the stress of that and trying to navigate those waters I feel like it took us two years into baby number two to finally feel like we weren't in survival mode anymore because I feel like we we were in survival mode we were in okay you take this one we were man-on-man defense yeah. Like, yeah. We were like, and also remember that, you know, he's working full time. I'm pretending like I'm a stay at home mom, but I'm still working. See, that's, you just said it. You were pretending <laughs> you're staying at home because you are, you're juggling. Yes. So I can see why it would be difficult. Yes. I think, and also when you, you add in exhaustion and, just desire for rest that you're not able to achieve on top of and and with that and with the lack of of physical with the lack of sleep and the physical exhaustion becomes uh, the problem that you don't communicate well and so we've always known from the beginning that if we can just communicate well which I can count on you know one hand the number of like major knockdown drag out fights no like physically not not knock down drag out but but I can you know in 13 years of marriage we've had you know fights I can count on one hand but communication is always like when we start not communicating is where the issues come in so communication is so important in our marriage and we've known that from the beginning we had really good uh, premarital counseling and Brendan's parents um, do um, ministry and do counseling and their focus is marriage so they're a great resource for us um so we've been extremely blessed in that but that's when we start to fall apart is when we're not communicating i think that's probably true for everybody if you can just communicate what you're thinking and wanting and then usually it's not as big a deal as you think so um that's all right. We're we're at Jennifer's house, and we have little ones who are, quote, napping. And they may not be, quote, napping anymore. So, um, well, all right. Sounds like it has to be intentional. Yes. Everything you do has to be intentional. Whether you're communicating well with your spouse, whether you're speaking kindly to your children, whether you are educating your children, whether you're making dinner, you have to intentionally go to the store to have the supplies to make dinner. Everything you do is intentional. It's just a matter of what are your intentions. Yeah. I really hadn't thought about it in that way, but you're right. If you aren't intentional, then you don't have in the pantry what you need to do basic dinner so that's a pretty good way to to look at it to maybe take some of the being overwhelmed down a notch yes um I feel like planning and organizing is a is a good 
it's it's my one it's one of my Brandon says it's one of my love languages <laughs> is organization I read that and in planning the book. <laughs> yeah um but uh just and I I'm not very good at it or haven't been very good at it and I'm trying desperately to be better at it because I'm I'm not intentional all the time in the manner that I want to be does that make sense I think it does, but do you know what you mean? I mean, I do. Okay, so the best way I know how to describe this is um, I think back to a conversation that I had with Dad, and um, I was in the process of debating moving to, to Birmingham. And I told him, I said, I really feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, and I feel like by staying here, and I was living at home at the time, um, some stuff had happened and I had come back home and I felt like it was time for me to move to Birmingham. And I told him, I said, by me not going and not making decisions, I'm still making decisions. I remember this. Mm-hmm. And so I said, if, if I'm here and I'm choosing to not make the decision to go, I'm still making a decision. And so whether, and that trans, the way I think about that and it translates into this is that I'm either making a decision to be intentional and spend quality time with my children, or I am making the decision to clean my house or whatever. Like either way, I'm being intentional about what I'm doing. It just may not have a positive effect. Right. It may not be in the right category or, or location of a decision at the right. moment that it should be. And right. In hindsight, it, it can create chaos. So, um, so in parenting, um, what are some of your parenting styles? <laughs> um, I laugh because I don't know that I have a parenting style. Survival's number one. Um, uh, I okay. Hang on before you go on. Okay. So by saying survival's number one, th- that just seems to be kind of something that you're saying, and and it and you sound okay with that. Yeah, as long as everyone is fed, clothed, and alive at the end of the day, it is a success. <laughs> there it, you go. It could be better, <laughs> but it also could be worse. So I'm going to call it a success if everyone is still alive at the end of the day. There you go. All right. Now keep going. Um, parenting style. I I love, um, I love just being involved. I love doing things with my kids. Um, oh, that's great. <laughs> Hold on a second. So I love doing stuff with my kids. I'm very, like, hands-on, like, let's do an activity. Let's go to the library. Let's go do something. Um, I'm very, very let's learn. And if you have a question, okay, well, let's figure out why. Um, Like, Abigail's been very into the clock. And what does that mean? And so, like, even this morning, we sat down and we got the clock. And I explained how there are minutes and counting by fives and things like that and just really just taking um the opportunities that present themselves when they ask questions um and really being a hands-on like 
okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know the exact science, but you know, behind this and what this question is, but we can figure it out and we'll find it out. And I think I learned a lot of that from you. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I had an advantage <laughs> that you will not have. They couldn't Google me. Yes. And of course, she's still too young to do that, but I could, I could make it sound with confidence that I was spot on. Right. And they would just believe me. But, yeah, you're right. You did come alongside me, and um, and we did a lot of things together mm-hmm. in teaching the hands-on. And does it matter if you get paint on yourself? No. You yes. must get paint on yourself to and that, really figure it out. That is a growing experience for me. And going back to that, like, clean, plan, organizational, like, person, it is it stretches me to be like, okay, let's make a mess because that's – that is hard and that is a growing area of me for parenting like okay um come on jennifer i gave you years of that i know it's (laughs) personality i have Um, to insert here that there are parts of my kids and i've said this on some other podcasts that um i've had people that have been our babysitters along the way jennifer was one of those and um you know she was kind of my friend at the same time she was babysitter because I could sound off to her or whatever. And I don't know if that was healthy, but it's, it's how I survived. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I encourage moms all the time now have someone young beside you for two reasons. One, they really can help you. They can give you the break, but they give your kids a different perspective. Mm-hmm. They give your kids something to strive to be as a teenager. And, I don't think we think about that. If we don't put good teenagers in front of our small kids, they aren't going to know what a good teenager looks like. Right. And I was blessed. I was very blessed because um, I had that. Now, Jennifer was also a disciplinarian. And um, (laughs) so, you know, and, and I don't know how you cultivated this, but... You also had that intuitive sense to know when the kid was trying to pull the wool over your eyes. And you would call him on it. So you still do that today? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of operate in a, a no, no BS uh, kind of attitude. So let's talk about discipline strategies and what your method and thought process is along that line. Um, So I have to be very careful with that. I have to think before I speak. I am a very black and white, right and wrong, um, justice, that's my personality. That's, that's the way I, I think about most things. Um, Brandon jokes that, um, not that I have road rage, but like when somebody like cuts me off, I'm not afraid to use my car horn. Like <laughs> they put it on there for a reason. And he, he laughs at me and he's like, one day I want to get you a horn on your car where you, when you honk it, it just screams justice. <laughs> um, 
so he always he always jokes about I need a justice horn on my car but the same is is true with my kids but I also have to remember that they're learning and I have to give them grace because they haven't been on this earth for you know 30 years and they should know better they're two and four and I have to teach them um I actually read a parenting book that really helped me and really transformed how I was interacting with my kids um and it was um loving your kids on purpose by Danny Silk um or something to that effect um is the title and so but he talks about like just how to communicate with your kids and how to give your kids choices in and I do that as, like, I did that at lunch with Olivia. If she was done eating her lunch, but she wanted dessert. She had one more bite of chicken nugget, and she refused to eat it. And I said, okay, you get to make the choice. You can eat this chicken nugget, and you can have dessert. Or you can be done eating, and you don't get dessert. You get to choose. And I have really tried implementing that because I feel like... In taking away my kids' voices and saying, I, mom, this is what I said, do this, I don't care what your thoughts are, that it just creates more tension and more frustration and more rebellion in them because I'm squashing their voice and they're in the process right now where they are and finding their voice. So, what I am learning and I am a huge work in progress I mean huge Mm -hmm. (laughs) but what I'm learning is that in giving them decisions within boundaries is teaching them how to make decisions so that hopefully as we progress through the years and they become teenagers that they learned how to make wise decisions and not only that but talking to them about their decisions and why this may be a better decision than this other decision, but still, still letting them have consequences for the choices they make. Yesterday, I took my kids to the grocery store and they were fighting while I was trying to put yogurt in the buggy. And I said, stop that, move away from each other. And they didn't, and they kept going. So I said, okay, we're not going to Chick-fil-A for lunch. We will go home and eat something, a sandwich. And they both just busted into tears because we were not going to Chick-fil-A. My kids love Chick-fil-A. They would live there if we could. And um, <laughs> and um, also, my husband will be really proud of me for calling it Chick-fil-A because my kids call it Chick-fil-A and I refer to it Chick-fil-A more than <laughs> not. And he's like, thank you for using the correct term for the restaurant. But... Um, but we had a whole conversation on the way home as we drove past Chick-fil-A on the way home. Like, and you know, my four-year-old, mom, I really would like to go to Chick-fil-A. Well, I would really like to take you there. But a consequence of the way you behaved in the grocery store is that we don't get to go today. And so we had this whole conversation about consequences. If you had behaved, then the consequence would have been, hey, or the result would have been we got to go to Chick-fil-A. But since you didn't, we didn't get to go. And maybe next time we can do better and we can go. So you followed through. Yes, which is hard because I really wanted Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so you had it today. We did have it today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
hits the but, cup on the table. But we, you're we did not, yeah. we did not have it yesterday because they did yeah. not behaving in it. Well, and I think that's what a lot of times as parents we do, we throw the, the ultimatum out there and then we go, okay, well, mm-hmm. I, I tried really hard not to make an ultimatum on something that couldn't be revisited. So for instance, I would know a lot of people who would take away going to a birthday party. If you're not behaving, you're not going to a birthday party. Mm -hmm. Well, you just punish the kid Mm -hmm. whose birthday party your kid was supposed to go to. Right. And it won't happen again. Mm -hmm. So to me, that punishment was too severe. Yeah. I feel like, you know, there's been days where like we had play dates scheduled and it wasn't, it wasn't going well, but I specifically told my children i'm not canceling your play date because i'm not going to punish your friend so we're going to come up with an alternative punishment yeah for this behavior yeah you know what that reminds me of as a kid i can remember getting in trouble but still having to go through wednesday night church as if nothing had happened knowing that my death was in front of me as soon as church was over. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when you wished it was the longest service ever. But, you know, it was the, there are appropriate moments to take care of something and then there are inappropriate. And maybe in society today, that's where we've messed up. I think I think we could definitely use with a whole lot more grace in our society. I think that's one thing that's definitely lacking we're always so quick to judge we're so quick to lend our opinion about a situation that we may not even be fully aware of or involved in at all and um and then there's that backlash that comes from that from the person that is involved in that situation that that feeling of you know rejection and all the things that come come with that so that is one thing that i am trying to implement as a parent is kindness and that's one thing that I do say to the girls regularly like I have a two-year-old who's has a older sister who takes things from her or things happen and she'll rebel like she'll or not rebel but retaliate um so Livy hit Abigail well Livy's two yes you don't do that putting her in time out may or may not I mean she doesn't understand why she's there so it's a, Livy, did you hit Abigail? Yes. Was that kind? No, Mama. Don't you think you should tell Abigail you're sorry? Yes. Like, in really having a conversation with them about, well, why why did you do that? Do you think that was the right thing to do? And really just spending time communicating with them and teaching them how to communicate with each That's other. That's what I was going to say. You're laying groundwork for communicating. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, do you really expect an eight-year-old to communicate if you haven't practiced communicating? Mm-hmm. So that's, I, I think that's imperative, and it takes time. It does. It is, it's definitely a work in progress, and that's where exhausting parenting happens. I was going to say, that's where the that's where survival like, and exhaustion comes in. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly where it's like, okay, we don't watch a whole lot of TV, but 4.30 hits, daddy's not home yet, mommy's exhausted. You can watch 30 minutes of show till daddy gets home, and then he can take over. Yeah. 
because yeah. it is a constant conversation. And I have one that's not really a talker, and I have one that wants to talk all the time. Yeah. And has 10 million questions all the time. All the time. Yep, that's true. All right, let's jump into, oh, man, there's so many places I want to jump. Um, let's go back to all these other roles and tasks that mm -hmm. you take on. I mean, you came out of college without a tremendous amount of college debt shortly thereafter because you oh, took yeah. on a serious <laughs> tell me about let's talk about okay, that a little so bit magnolia bell um magnolia bell paid off my student loans uh so we have no student loans i did um my 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 parents did pay for part of my undergrad but then after I was married and um well before I was married some of my schooling I I kind of stepped out and said I'm this is what I want to do and it didn't really fall in line with necessarily what my parents thought I should do and I took on the financial responsibility of that and then I also put myself Brandon I put myself through nursing school so I did have student loans um and I did not want to have student loans and I did have not the I don't even know what my grand total was but it was under a hundred thousand um but I I had this idea I am a southern girl like my husband makes fun of me the way I talk and he's from Texas so that says something and um he we even had a discussion last night about the way that I say mirror he said you say it with like a ur on the end and I said well how do you say it and he said with an er on the end <laughs> And so he just, and I call the, the thing you put your groceries in at the, at the grocery store. It's a buggy. It's not a cart. Like I'm, I'm a Southern girl. Um, so I am proud to be Southern. I'm proud to live in Alabama. Like I love it here. We had, um, two years where we lived in Colorado and I desperately missed the South. Um, my mom got me, uh, would mail me like a Southern living and I would open it and I would cry. <laughs> so, um, I started Magnolia Bell on a whim. It was a complete, complete, almost a complete accident. I started making, um, tea towels for, uh, my kitchen with the state of Alabama, uh, silhouette on them. And then I had some friends I was working on one at, at work. I, uh, was cutting some out and they were like oh I want some of those and I'm like okay so then I'm just people started asking and then I thought well okay and so then I started making them and they were all made by hand every state was cut out by hand I sewed them you know on my sewing machine everything was done by me and I started putting myself out there I went to retail shops I went to um I went to Montgomery I went to the state capitol gift shop I went to um places around town and really started selling these in bulk and they were buying them and I did a couple of like art shows in different cities around the state and made enough money doing it that I paid off my student loans and it paid for nursing school um I had an Etsy that's shop that's impressive <laughs> well thanks um and then it kind of after I had my first baby it kind of just fizzled and I let it fizzle because it had served its purpose and I was okay with that um, it was also starting to become something that was oversaturated you can't copyright the shape of the state you live in um, so other people were doing it and 
I just, it was a good time for me to say, okay, that was a good season and let it go. Cool. So you've got a little bit of an entrepreneur spirit to you. Just, just a smidge. Yeah. And so you continued that. Well, I mean, good grief. It started in, in 10 years. I mean, you could make a big business babysitting, organizing people. I mean, it, that kind of thing. I still have folders with your handwriting on them. Um, so then you, um, that was one sideline business, but then Mm -hmm. here recently you went into a whole nother product line. So talk about that. Um, which, the makeup. Oh, beauty counter. Okay. So, um, I, my husband calls it, the term he uses for me is, is crunchy. I call it aware. Um, I have recently become more aware of things. Um, Wait, he calls it what? Crunchy. Crunchy? You're crunchy? Yeah, crunchy. He's so special. He is. I love him. Um, but um, I became aware. My mother-in-law actually introduced it to me. She gave me a lip gloss. And then I started paying attention to more. And what I learned in all this research, I, was, I love to do research. I love to research things. If we go on vacation, I've researched like all the best places to eat, where we're going or all the activities to do. Like I'm a research person. Like I love it. But I, I researched like this company and what they were saying and, and what that was. And, and then what I was learning was, is that no one is looking out for my health. Like all these big companies that are making these products, like they're out for a bottom line. And I was reading all these things about, you know, formaldehyde and kids' makeup and asbestos and like all these chemicals that shouldn't be like when you're exposed to them, like they increase your risk for cancer and, and just all different things and infertility. And the one thing that really spoke to me was about infertility. Um, but, and I, we can go back to that, but I, I really fell in love with the idea of a company that was really transparent. They told me what was in their products. They didn't hide behind things like fragrance or whatever, that there's this huge loophole that that means so many different things. Um, so I, I fell in love with the fact that they were transparent, um, that their products did what they said they were going to do and that I felt comfortable using them on myself and on my kids. So I signed up to be a consultant. And the one thing I I love about them is that they're continually pushing the envelope. And they're continually um, pushing for legislation um, to make the beauty industry safe. Um, So when you said they're continually pushing the, um, the envelope, what do you mean by that? And so, tell me they tell beauty me. counter is what I is what the company I'm talking about. Um, so as far as pushing the envelope, and that is uh, pushing the envelope with transparency. Um, they also lobby for safer laws. Um, what company do you know is lobbying for stricter um, laws and restrictions that affect them and how they practice their business and the ingredients that they can use in and that creates more of a cost for them and takes away from that that bottom line. 
in that profit. And so um, I was really impressed with that. They lobby for legislation. Uh, the U.S. has only 30 ingredients that are banned from use in any cosmetics or baby products, like any of that stuff, skincare, makeup, all of that. The um, European Union has 1,400. Wow. The United States has not passed any legislation regarding the beauty industry since 1938, I believe. Roosevelt was president. Wow. <laughs> that was the last time that, um, that anything was passed as far as that goes, um, which is just insane. And so um, Greg Renfro, who is the founder of Beauty Counter, um, made it her mission that clean beauty um, needed to be a thing. It needed to be accessible to people, that people deserve to be able to use shampoo and not worry about the fact that it was introducing them to carcinogens, that it wasn't going to disrupt their hormones. Um, and so they have been lobbying for the um, Cosmetic Safety Enhancement Act, which is the, which when it's passed will be the first bill legislation since Roosevelt was president in regards to this industry, which is just insane to me. Well, it is because you know that there have been so many more things that have become available, have just been used and, and our food industry has gotten, you know, a little, I say a little more strict because I think there's still a lot of room for wiggle in that. But, um, but that is fascinating. It, it really is. And I love, like, one, I, I love it. I love, and like I told it before, like, I love to educate. I love to educate my kids. I love to educate my patients and my parents at work. Like, and this is just another aspect of that and educating people about clean beauty and that there are options and that there are things in, um, in the things you use every day that w can do harm to your body. Um, and we're talking about the, the things that are banned, like there's only 30 that are banned in the U S there's 1400 in Europe that they ban, but beauty counter is self-governing to the point that they have 1800 items that they ban from use in any of their products. Wow. Can you think of anything in specifically that we probably use that, I mean, you don't have to name a product, but, but something that we just don't even think about. Um, like the big thing, and if you, you can go back and you can watch the, um, the hearing for this, um, this bill that they're trying to pass. And the, the, um, the example that she uses is baby lotion. Can the FDA regulate baby lotion? No. Can they have, can they issue a recall on baby lotion if kids have a reaction to it? No. They don't have, like, those laws are not in place that they can regulate all those things. And, like, I don't want to have a baby and bring him home and think that, you know, a company, a very famous company, you know, that is known for making baby products for years since I was a kid, like, has stuff in it that is going to harm my baby. Well, you know, this kind of reminds me, there's the huge lawsuit that goes on still today about the talcum powder. Yes. And people were using talcum powder and had no clue that it was supposed 
or what they're saying is would cause um, ovarian cancer. Yes. So, I mean, I guess it's along the same lines, and that would go in those same yes. in that same bill. So they can still use that. Um, there's a brand of deodorant that I recently um, I found in a tube in my bathroom, and I was like, oh, I can use this, you know, and not you know have to go by near or whatever. And I looked at it, and I read the ingredients, and it has talc in it. And I was like, oh, trash. It's known to cause cancer. I don't know that I've ever read the ingredients on my deodorant. It's amazing. Do you when know you what we do? We open. Oh, I know. With food, it kills me. But um, you know what we do with deodorant? We smell it and go, yeah, "Oh, I like this." Good. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not. Oh, yes. So um, I I really have just gotten on board with. There are so many things that can affect my body. And there are so many things that I'm paying. As a nurse, your skin is your largest organ. It's the largest organ, and we're not even regulating anything. But yet, we regulate what goes inside. Right. But not on. And, like, it's a simple issue of when you put sunscreen on, whatever chemicals are in your sunscreen can be detected in your bloodstream within 20 minutes. Okay, I'm going to have to have you check out the sunscreen that we buy and... uh, but it's like I and had I hope no. My favorite one's okay. I know, I had no idea, and then um, we struggled with infertility with our first. We went through three years of trying to get pregnant, three years of highs and lows and crying and doctor's appointments and meds and and it was it was it was hard, and then the Lord blessed us and we had a baby, and then the Lord blessed us again and we had a second baby. And then we want to have a third baby. And here we are, eight months in to trying to have a third baby again. And there's no rhyme or reason, but, and I believe that the Lord is in complete control of that. But I'm going to do my part. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to take my prenatal vitamins. I'm going to watch what I'm putting into my body. I'm going to watch what I'm putting on my body that causes endocrine disruption and things that can affect infertility mm-hmm. because I'm going to do my part so that, you know, like I'm safe. And also I, I and we don't, we don't have to get into this, but like health wise, my life has not been the easiest road, but I am going to do everything. I have hit this point of I'm a mom of two. I want to be a mom of three. I want to be healthy. I want to be around for my kids. I want to do whatever is in my power, whether that's what I'm putting in my body, what I'm putting on my body, that affects, that has has long-term effects down the road. I wholeheartedly agree. And if you don't mind, I would like to dig a little bit into your health path because it defined a lot of your resiliency um and maybe some of your contentment and um and i think that there are people that have to go down a path of suffering and don't come out as good mentally as you have so i if you don't mind i'd love to touch some of that okay so you started out as a child having some issues along the way or in your teen years yes so um i had i was genetically i had a genetic predisposition um 
one of my parents is a carrier of the gene and so I had a 50-50 chance of having it and it's a gene that creates a disease in your body which like basically if it's untreated cancer is inevitable so I knew that growing up um, when I hit age 12 we knew to look for it um, and it was discovered that I did have the gene and so I had surgery um, to remove um, the organ that would most likely become cancer and then had a adjustment period but in that I also had multiple multiple post-op complications from my hair falling out to severe weight loss to I lost so much weight that my hormones I had hormone issues and so I my growth plates didn't close I probably would only be 5'11", 5'10", had that not happened instead. I'm 6'1". A lovely 6'1". A lovely 6'1". And Brandon's taller. And Brandon's 6'2". And the Lord answered that prayer, too. That was on my list. There you go. Um, But, um, so I I went through that, and then I I I had a rough, probably like six or seven years where it was constantly something and it was it was a challenge um I didn't have a ton of friends in high school uh middle school because I was sick yeah you were Um, in the hospital a lot mm -hmm. in and out yes so um you know teenagers hang with you for a little while and then they go off to do their other stuff um which is understandable um it's not just teenagers. Adults. Yeah, adults I, I've, I've said, I think we have a head cold society. You've got mm, two weeks to get over it. And when you've got something like, like you had going and some of the things that our family has been through, it's longer than a head cold time. And people sometimes fall off. Now, you get blessed. Yes. And there, there are some that become core pieces to your life. But... um but in general. So you had to deal with that as a kid, teenager, and how'd you do it? I I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, I feel like the Lord just gave me a grace for it. Um, I can't tell you that I wasn't angry about it at some points and that I didn't cry about it and I, I I wish it hadn't happened or I can't tell you that that didn't occur because it did um but it got better and then I had a lot of years of normal life and I went off to college like a normal person and and my my world became like it's not your normal but it's my normal and I was okay with that and then I got married, and I, you know, before I got married, and early, early in my and Brandon's relationship, I said, you need to know this. And I trusted him enough to tell him that and, and, and know that he had, you know, we were just dating, and he had the right to say, I don't want to deal with that and walk away. But also, you know, he was like, okay well, that's fine. We'll deal with it and let's go. And, you know, he's never, 
never once in in all the drama that has happened he's never once you know regretted anything or he's like this is you know this is who you are I love you we'll get through this together and that's all there is to it and I knew um I knew when I found the right person that that would be the case um so that happened I had normal life um no real issues um and then we struggle with infertility and possible infertility related to surgeries and other things that had happened to my body and things that my body had been through because my body had been through a ton mm-hmm. um and I had another surgery related to that and and we just kept going in and I will tell you that one of the things that I value most about my husband is that he when it when stuff hits the fan he digs in and says no this this is the way this is gonna go and so I gave there was a point where I gave up let's foster let's adopt let's whatever let's let's do this and he said no like the Lord has spoken to us we're gonna be parents we are gonna hold on to this and we are going to continue down this path like we're not not gonna sidetrack and we're not gonna we're just gonna hold steadfast to what he's told us and we're gonna stand on that and he's he's really good when the storm storm comes he's he's the anchor um but I remember as an adult and y'all were married in the very first time that you got sick when he was on board and there was a wide-eyed fear. So, I mean, y'all dealt with some fear, some stop-in-your-tracks fear. What would you tell somebody now of, hey, I know you're going through that, but? Don't lose heart. Regardless of the outcome, don't give up. I... I heard um, a fantastic sermon, which I absolutely love. It was like the Bible talks about having faith of a mustard seed, and I had never understood that. I was like, "How does that work? A mustard seed so small, and I don't understand this." And this one sermon I listened to, he said, "It's not about the size of your mustard seed; it's about how long you keep it in the fight, and how long you're willing to hold on." And like, and it was so eye-opening to me because I was like oh like that makes way more sense because when when things go wrong and everything feels like it's falling apart and everything feels like it's crumbling on you and you just want to like crawl up in the bed and not get out ever again like and I've been there more than once um multiple occasions (laughs) but you just have to know that like if you just hang on and hold on tight and don't give up and don't let go that it does get better it may not look the way that you want it to look it may not sound the way you want it to sound but it does get better that might be probably a key point right there it may not be what you were looking for but be ready for 
a change or the result to be something different but still good yes be expectant but have your hand open to receive however it looks Hmm. that's good so where do you think jennifer's headed (laughs) oh gosh i i really don't know i don't see myself being a nurse for forever um i do want to have more kids I have dreams of writing a cookbook. I I want to be a mom and and be a good mom. And um, I want to love my kids well. And I kind of want to be a free spirit. I want to pursue whatever door opens and see where it goes. I like all that. Now, let's talk about the cakes. Oh, the cakes. Yes. I mean, you you just mentioned uh, writing a cookbook, and that doesn't come with the fact that you spend lots of time in the kitchen. I love to cook. I've always loved to cook. Um, I remember as a kid, I would go to the kitchen, and I would get out all these ingredients, and I would stand in the kitchen by myself with my bowls and my ingredients, and I would make something and I would talk like I was hosting a cooking show. <laughs> like, like when Food TV came along, I was like, this is my channel. Um, but I, I love to be in the kitchen. I love to create. I rarely follow a recipe. I always give it a twist. I'm really bad at following recipes. Um, just because I like that creativity. I like to add my own flair to it or or whatever. Um, I found that I don't love... I do love to cook, but I love to bake way more than I love to cook. Because I love to eat when I bake. Um, but <laughs> It I, always looks <laughs> so good. I mean, you've heard the little things about this is the Pinterest look and this is how it really turns out. No, yours is the Pinterest look and the Pinterest look. So you kind of have that nailed down pretty good. So what are you doing with this, though? You're you're making cakes for people and um, a little bit? A little bit. Like, usually it's just, like, friends, family. If anyone asks, like, I'm more than happy to bake a cake. If I am making a cake, I, um, I have, a, like, an Instagram that I just started just with my cakes and what I'm baking because um, it's just a place to to collect it and it's um at jbest underscore bakes but that's where i keep all my cakes um and i love to just create i love for things to look pretty um brandon always jokes when i put dinner on the plate like he's like we should take a picture of this you know and and then he jokes when he puts dinner on the plate that he's like this doesn't meet your you know your plating standards but (laughs) turn the lights down low and we'll be okay (laughs) but I I like for things to be pretty I like for things to be fun I like to create I love for things to taste good I'm a foodie oh my gosh I'm such a foodie but so is he I mean my gosh Mm y'all said hey one Thanksgiving let's we're gonna make pizza and I thought all right so people bring a pizza a, a can crust and they just no, the dude came and he was tossing the pizza dough in the air and baking it on the 
gas grill. So he kind of has some of that flair himself. He does. He does. And he does more like food stuff where I do more like baking stuff. Hey, and we I, get the whole meal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We have friends that are like, can we come to your house for dinner? Yeah. Um, so you just need somebody to grow up to be a mixologist and you'll have the whole thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly we 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 love to cook and one thing we've implemented in our relationship and it goes back to the whole like being on the struggle bus feeling like you're in survival mode is we felt like we we really were finding that when we weren't spending time together and so because we weren't taking time to stop and connect because at the end of the day you're so exhausted because you've just poured everything you have out into these little people and then all you want to do is just like look at each other and veg for a second, eat some dinner and watch TV and not have to think, not have to talk. And so you just check out and you're physically there beside each other, but like you're not having that emotional heart to heart connection that really deepens and drives the roots of your relationship. And so one thing we implemented was once a week we have date night and then we find a recipe in a cookbook or online or something or something we want to bake or something we want to learn how to do and we make dinner together so that's date. what date night is it's not going out and spending a ton of money yeah no it's, it's not going out and spending money it's not having to get a babysitter it's not trying to you know fix your schedule with somebody else's schedule it's it's making it work where you can still just step away for a second and have one-on-one -on -one time like and we may not have dinner until nine o'clock because our kids may decide that they don't want to go to sleep when we put them to bed but okay one night a week we have dinner at nine o'clock but we have it together and we made it together and it was fun and we talked about life while we were doing it and it really adds value to our relationship which is good for our kids so, um, and another thing that I, I love is if there is something that you are curious about and you want to try, just do it. Like I, this winter, like it was a big thing. I made homemade marshmallows and they were a huge hit. I did a little pop-up at a friend's studio and it was so much fun, but, um, I just really wanted to know how to do that. And so I watched a bunch of videos on it and then I kind of tweaked my own recipe and then came up with some variations and just did it that's and then, cool but i have a list like the girls and i we do made, you really yes i keep a list oh what's on your list um well we've made homemade sprinkles which who knew you could actually make homemade sprinkles um how do you make homemade sprinkles what are they out of um basically cornstarch sugar and water and food coloring and you you pipe them, you mix up your color and you pipe them out and then you let them dry and you pipe them out in these long lines. And then when they dry, you use and a knife and you cut them. them. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I just may have to do this. It's, it's really, it's the thing is that people think these things are so intimidating, but they're not. Yeah. And they can be so yeah. fun. And if you have kids, you can incorporate them into those things mm -hmm. because the girls, they picked out the colors for the marshmallows. Now they can't pipe them out or anything, but they could simply pick out what colors they wanted and then they had their own and then after our mar our uh our sprinkles were done we had an ice cream sundae for dessert at dinner that night and they got to put their own sprinkles on their ice cream sundae it seems like that like that's the kind of parenting i love those are memories yes um i i want to learn how to do latte art I haven't got there yet but oh, i think it'll be so fun 
Me too. Let's like do that together. Yes. I I want to be a barista. I have a new goal. <laughs> I want to learn how to make giant buttery French croissants. That's next on my list is I want to learn how to make croissants. Oh, me too. <laughs> I, I went, don't even have a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I went through, um, I went through, uh, a macaroon phase or macaron phase. Oh, uh, yes, you did. Mm. Um, and let me tell you, that is a pain. But I have a friend, Holly, who does it, and she is fantastic at it. And I've given up, and I call her when I need them because half the time, mine don't get feet or oh my goodness, they crack. Her number. Yes, she's fantastic. She's a mom of two, like three-year-old twin boys. She's a teacher. She speaks French. She is amazing, and she just started a macaroon business. Oh, my gosh. So she's fantastic, and she's my go-to macaroon girl. I gave up on that one. That's the only thing I felt like I have tried and tried to do and have not been successful. And that bothers me, but at the same time, I'm moving on to other things. Yeah. Um, I thought you were pretty successful at it, but, you know. That's because I only posted the ones that turned out. I've eaten them. <laughs> Those are good. They're good. They just don't always look so pretty. Oh, well. So, but um, but it's, it's really a, a thing of there's something that just pops up and I'm like the, uh, a couple weeks ago I got on this kick where I wanted to make like really good crusty French bread in my Dutch oven so I did that a couple of times like just to see if I could do it like just because I wanted to you really should have met Julia Childs I would love to yeah because she did because she wanted to I just got her I got her cookbook for Christmas yeah. So that's one of the cookbooks that Brandon and I are pulling from for our date night. Oh, how fun. Oh, how scary. Yes. <laughs> There's some really nasty things in her cookbook. Ag- agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But Becca so went good. down that road and, and goes down that road. But, you know, to her, that's one of her love languages, um, Becca, in, in being able to make those kinds of things and give them away and give them to people and mm-hmm. just to connect so that you're a connector for memories and relationships and so you use your kitchen to do that too because people ask you to make cakes and so I mean that's kind of a neat talent to be able to to use so um, we've been about a million different directions and we could keep going so I think we're gonna have to do a round two okay at some point <laughs> but um, if you were talking to your younger self, what are a couple of things you'd say to her? I think first is don't give up. Because there were days that I just was kind of over it and wanted to give up. And I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad that I was patient and that I waited for the person that the Lord brought me. I am... Um, grateful for good friends and family and I, I went through a phase where I thought oh I'll never have friends or I like I want but I what I realize now is that in the season of life where I was it it really wasn't possible because of everything that was going on with me medically and physically that I was at a stage where other people around me had a hard time handling that. But then I didn't give up and I pressed on and I found some amazing friends who have been my friends for 
15 years that I still talk to regularly. Um, so don't, I think the first thing I would tell myself is don't give up. Just don't get discouraged and to keep going because it does get better. It's hard and life is hard, um, but it does get better. I think I would also tell myself um, that this is a season and that I don't think I realized how much as a younger adult that our seasons just change and that there are really good seasons and there are really hard seasons and there are growing seasons and there are sad seasons um, and there's happy seasons and and with everyone there's something to learn so don't wish your life away and don't give up and just keep moving awesome question mm-hmm. if you had one superpower 24 hours it can be professional personal in the way that you would use it what would it be and why a superpower mm-hmm. I have no idea I'm such a realist <laughs> come on Jennifer <laughs> work hard at it <laughs> Um, I really don't know. Okay, a superpower can be some of these Disney characters that your girls watch. On <laughs> um, I, I think my superpower would be to move forward without fear. Fear of rejection, fear of what people think. Like, to have that ability to go out and chase your dreams and do whatever you wanted to do without fear of failure. And after that 24 hours, maybe it would... Maybe I have a little reality in. check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did what? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right, contact information. And, and I know you're a, an individual, but mm. you do have the uh, Instagram where people can see your food and yes. and then the beauty. Yeah. So give me those two contacts. and. Um, so you can... Um, see our see my cakes and contact me through instagram at um jbest underscore bakes um and then as far as beauty counter you can find more about beauty counter at beauty counter's website and you can um shop their products um with me and that would be just at uh beautycounter.com slash jennifer best um, and then you can also send me a message through Instagram if you have any questions. I'm more than happy to help, more than happy to get information to you, um, more than happy to let you try stuff, just whatever I can do to help. Because people being aware and having the, the ability to make choices and make good choices um, for them and their family is, like, huge. Thank you. This has been incredible. Thanks for having me.
find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, cry a little, and find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it. From family to philosophy to work to meal prep toward beautifully surviving life.